All right, so we get an extra day this year. Quite frankly, uh, I'm not here for it here on February 29th. I'm a sports guy, obviously. So are you, obviously. March is the very best sports month of the year. I'm, I'm not here for waiting a day. If you're going to give us an extra day, make that be March, October. I'm over February, man. Uh, come on, you're going to fill out a bracket. I got some college basketball advice here. Too. Here we are two weeks out from Selection Sunday. We're going to have that coming up. We're going to learn a little bit about life on the bubble. Yes, New Mexico head coach Richard Patino joins us later this hour. We will get into that. Does spring training hit anybody else in the fields when it comes to baseball? Am I the only hopeless baseball romantic left? Speaking of which, show is off the market, though I'm not sure which market came with a heftier price tag. We'll have the Athletics Farbian Ardaya for the scoop on Dodgers camp coming up a little bit later on as well. Hey, the NFL Combine's happening right now, and the Bears have a decision to make. We live in a world that is becoming increasingly complicated by the second, but the most important choice of this NFL offseason is actually very simple. Ryan Poles does not need to overcomplicate it. We'll explain why a little bit later on. My name is Trent Rush. I'm in for Jim Rome here on this Thursday, February the 29th, 2024. You can find me on X at Trent Rush Sports. We'd love to hear from some of the clones. I say the date to remind you that LeBron James came into the NBA in 2003. That's right. For more than two decades, we've hyped this man. We've criticized this man. Some have worshipped him. Many others, many others have rebuked him. And most of the time, it's quite justified for the game's most polarizing player. That being said, LeBron's greatness you cannot ignore, even if his status in Laker lore easily can be. That said, LeBron last night did something he's never done before. That's act like a Laker. I'm telling you what, last night, LeBron James absolutely embarrassed little bro on their big night. It wasn't just booting him out. That was a straight-up eviction last night at Crypto.com Arena. When you think about what the Lakers had to play for coming to that game, it struggled coming out of the All-Star break. And then you have a Clipper team that is getting ready to move in a brand-new building Right across the way in Inglewood, it's supposed to be spectacular. Steve Ballmer has been a fun, exciting owner. This Clippers team is a fun, exciting basketball team. I, I, there's a lot to like about the Clippers. The Clippers are good. The Clippers are good, but last night, LeBron James made them little brother once again. I mean, I was straight out of home alone. I mean, that's like, that's like Buzz eating that last slice of pizza and just spitting it right back out at Kevin there. That's what happened last night with LeBron James and the Lakers. And there have not been a whole lot of cool things LeBron has done. But last night, I mean, it was vintage LeBron. Down 21 in the fourth quarter, Lakers come back to win the game. Biggest comeback of LeBron's career. Biggest comeback for the Lakers in 20 years. 19 of his 34 come in the fourth quarter. Six boards, eight assists, a couple of blocked shots in that game. Hits five threes down the stretch. I mean, LeBron was tremendous last night. And LeBron was a tremendous Laker last night, which has not happened. Because when you think about the cool things LeBron James has done as a Laker, it's not a very long list. Okay, he won the bubble title. Tree falls in the woods. Was anybody paying attention to the bubble championship? Did that championship mean anything at all when you had good teams where, you know, a lot of teams were banged up, a bunch of teams ineligible, couldn't play because, you know, someone would test positive. I mean, that whole deal in 2020, that championship, to me, completely meaningless. But that was the great moment LeBron James has had as a Laker. 
I mean, that, that bubble in Orlando, that was, that was a far cry from having to go face Russell in the Garden, right? Far cry from that. So what did that bubble championship mean? Almost nothing. An event that meant maybe even less was the in-season tournament that the Lakers participated and got a trophy for this year and hung a banner for this year. I guess that's cool. I guess that when you talk about LeBron James and what he's accomplished as a Laker, I mean, is there anybody that is better at winning irrelevant events than LeBron James between the bubble title and the in-season tournament? I mean, these are basically glorified AAU tournaments. Okay, LeBron's done that as a Laker. Hey, he set the NBA scoring record as a Laker. That was cool, except for the fact that less than a quarter of his total career points have actually come with the Lakers. For the franchise of Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, James Worthy, Kobe Bryant. Uh, The franchise, Jerry West, the franchise with some of the greatest names of all time in this game. For LeBron to think that he fits in that category is bizarre. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it's been a long time now LeBron has been with the Lakers and his very first act as a Laker finally came last night. Because think about the not-so-cool things LeBron has done as a Laker. And this is just this season because if I went through all of it, we'd be here for a really long time. We're going to spend three hours together. It might take the whole three hours to go through all the not-cool things LeBron James has gone or has done as a Laker. Again, just this year. How about load managing himself in a game in Boston against the Celtics on a road trip? Lakers won that game, by the way. But LeBron, you know what? Against the Celtics, that's the night I'm going to sit. That's the night, you know what? Celtics are really good. We're not going to beat them anyway. I might as well get my rest tonight. Oh, well, Lakers won that game without LeBron. Speaking of load managing himself, how about the fact that he did it right before the All-Star break, which... Honestly, honestly, I I could understand that one. LeBron James at 39 years old, if he needs an extra day and he wants that at the All-Star break, I I can understand that. What I have trouble with is LeBron sitting that game, playing in the All-Star charade. It certainly wasn't a game, but participating in that, and then needing another day coming out of the All-Star break. When you're playing an important one against Golden State, But don't worry, we'll come back for night two of the back-to-back because I'll make my return against San Antonio and the Spurs, who are awful. Forget the meaningful game against Golden State with two teams vying for playoff spots. No, no, forget that one. Let's come back against San Antonio. And then how about when LeBron – this is my favorite. How about when LeBron, after the Lakers had dropped 10 of 13 coming out of that stupid in-season tournament, and LeBron went to the media – and said that Bronny James could play on this Laker team. Bronny James, who is subpar for USC, and I think might end up being all right. I think he might be a solid college basketball player. (laughs) The best, what takes the cake, is LeBron then earlier this week coming back and, and saying, hey, media, why are you guys putting so much on Bronny? You guys are putting way too much pressure on Bronny. LeBron, you created this. For how many years have you been saying your dream is to play with your son in the NBA? I know we've got into that a lot already. I, I just can't get over it. 
because that's just another not cool thing. That's just that's not just a not cool thing as a Laker. That's a not cool thing as a dad. LeBron putting that on his son and and then trying to walk it back on social media. Did that this week. But when your team, like when you're looking for a leader and your team was really struggling, you get beat up by Memphis, you drop 10 of 13. When you're counting on LeBron James and the mystique that comes with LeBron and the heroism that he brings, when you're looking for that to be a leader and then he comes out and says, yeah, my son who's getting like six points a game for USC could play on this team, that was not about whatever he can say whatever he wants. That was not about Bronny being good. That was about the Lakers being bad. And that's coming from your leader direct to the media. How about the not cool things that he did about draping himself in a Knicks towel at Madison Square Garden after posting cryptic tweets right around the trade deadline? I mean, right around the deadline. I mean, LeBron is sending all kinds of messages. He's wanting more players. He's, you know, being very coy. He's being very sharp. He, he's essentially saying in, in some respects that he didn't want to be a Laker. And that is unbelievable. And I know that at the end of the day, he is still with this team and Jeannie decided not to trade him and the Warriors made that push and it didn't happen. But I can't think, can you imagine, can you imagine Kobe at Madison Square Garden putting a Knicks towel around his shoulders to cover up his chosen one tattoo before heading into the locker room after the game? Like that is the most anti-Laker thing ever. And on so many fronts, like, LeBron James is an NBA great. LeBron James is not a Laker at all. The guy didn't even show up when Kobe had his statue unveiled a couple of weeks ago. LeBron couldn't be bothered to attend that. And you're going to hear the excuse. Oh, it was a game day. It was tough to get there. He could have stopped by. He could have stopped by. He has time to make, he's able to make time for the other stars that sit courtside at uh, Crypto.com Arena. He could have been there. There's a lot of things LeBron James could have done. There's a lot that he could have done to be a Laker. Last night, though, might have been the first. Again, down 21 in the fourth quarter. Biggest comeback of a 21-year career for LeBron James. Biggest Lakers comeback in 20 years. 19 of his 34 come in the fourth quarter. Six boards, eight assists, couple of block shots. He had a plus-minus plus 11 last night as Lakers came back to beat The Clippers hits five threes and a a six-and-a-half-minute stretch in the fourth quarter. I mean, and he absolutely destroyed James Harden defensively. And I know that there's a lot of chatter right now about what the Clippers can be and is this a title team with the Clippers. And they might be best in the West. I still think Denver's going to have something to say about that. I still think Phoenix is going to have something to say about that. I, I also think that as good as the Clippers are and as well as the Harden experiment has gone, last night was a full-blown exposure that this guy is such a defensive liability that I am now concerned for the playoffs when teams actually do decide they want to play in the NBA, that that could be very problematic for this Clippers team. Because he has been excellent in his role. Russell Westbrook has been excellent in his role. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard... I mean, they have taken on that leadership, and, and, and James Harden has just fit right in to all of that. That in itself is pretty remarkable, that you got James Harden to fit in with those guys, 
where it hasn't worked anywhere Harden has gone, it has not worked. And I mean, a lot of people, myself included, unbelievably critical of James Harden and critical of the Clippers for making that move. But James Harden offensively, it's worked for the Clippers. And I think the Clippers have an outstanding regular season record and a lot of regular season success because of that. But when push comes to shove and when teams actually start playing in the NBA, when teams actually start defending in the NBA, that's when there's not another level for James Harden to get to. Like, I expect Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to rise. I expect Russell Westbrook to rise. I don't think... On the defensive end, there's anywhere else for Harden to go. And LeBron James just made a mockery of Harden last night in the fourth quarter, which kind of kills me. Like, I am a big college basketball guy, and we'll get into college basketball a little bit later on. Like, I love college hoops because everyone plays hard every night. Like, that is meaningful. At the same time, you don't always have, like, the best decision makers in college basketball. You have some good coaches. You don't always have the best decision makers, which makes for a wildly entertaining product. I mean, there's two nights ago, there were two half-court buzzer beaters in the same conference in the Mountain West. Like, that, that's absolutely insane that that happens. And I look at how much fun the college game is, and then I see how unfun the NBA is. And it can be. And I'm not taking anything away from the talent of these NBA players. They're some of the best athletes in the world. And when the playoffs come around and the guys actually do play, it's really fun. Like LeBron James turned it up last night. And he understood the importance of that. That was the farewell, the swan song, the departure. For the Clippers that are leaving, that was uh, you know, some people when they, when they're leaving, it's, it's we're gonna throw one final house party, right? We're gonna have we're getting we're we're getting out of here. We're gonna throw one final party at the crib. Let's go hang out before we get out of here. Well, the Clippers tried to do that last night, and the Lakers came in and handed them an eviction notice. That's what happened, and LeBron James straight up was the one to deliver that. I, I don't think that any of what he did last night excuses his behavior from the uh, from before. I don't think anything that he did last night qualifies him to fit in in Laker lore, but I do think what, what we saw from LeBron last night was a step in that direction. And if this Lakers team could somehow go on a run in the playoffs, I have no expectation for this Lakers team to win a championship. I have no expectation for this Lakers team to win a playoff series. They're going to get in. Maybe they maybe they get in out, out of the play-in group. But when it really counts, I think th- this Lakers team is limited, and it's not for lack of talent. But I look at what LeBron James was able to do last night, and you were reminded this guy still has a little bit left in the tank. And as critical as everyone wants to be of LeBron, and, and I will raise my hand, I'll be the first one. There's a lot that is incredibly frustrating about LeBron James. But you have to tip your cap to greatness. And last night, we saw a demonstration of that greatness. That's why LeBron James is one of the greatest players of all time. He's why he's the NBA scoring leader. I'm not going to say he's the greatest of all time. And I know everyone wants to have that debate. I think that debate is so tired. But he's one of the best ever. And last night, he showed why at 39 years old. Pretty remarkable staying power. Hey, get your phone out and search for the Prize Picks app. It's on my phone right now. It's on the phone of everybody that's working on this radio show uh, here on the Jim Rome Show. Prize Picks is the America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. For me, it's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Unlike other apps on Prize Picks, it's just you against the numbers. You got one job. 
Pick more or less on two to six players and their daily stat projections. And you can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. I like those odds. Turn $10 into $1,000. Quick withdrawals and an enormous selection of players, sports, and stats. That's Price Picks. Download the Price Picks app today. Use the code Rome for a first deposit match up to $100. $100. Who does that? That's code Rome on Price Picks for a deposit match up to $100. Price Picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Must be present in certain states. Visit pricepicks.com for restrictions and details. My name is Trent Rush. When we come back, Mike Golick Jr. joins us here on the program, sitting in for Jim Rome today. This is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Jim Rome Show. Trent Rush here on the Jim Rome Show, 1-800-636-8686. You can find us on X at Jim Rome. Find the website, jimrome.com, rome at haveatake.com here in our L.A. studios. Again, uh, this has been one of those interesting kind of a days where LeBron James, massive last night, uh, able to drop 34-19 coming in the fourth quarter. Unreal comeback there. With I'm going to get to some of your tweets, clones. Believe me, I'm going to be getting to some of the tweets. Wanted to take a moment to talk a little football, though, with the NFL draft combine going on. The big decision to make, right, is sitting squarely in the lap of Ryan Poles. What's he going to do? Is he going to... Keep uh, he's going to keep the pick. Take Caleb Williams. He's going to go for Justin Fields. Stick with it. Trade the pick away. Lot to discuss on that front. And we're bringing on a really smart guy that knows football, knows a lot of sports. And I'm pumped up to have Mike Gold Jr. with us right now. He's doing a show with his dad on DraftKings. Awesome stuff. Um, uh, part of the the Learfield Saturday Night College Football broadcast as well. Mike, what's happening? How are you? I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me. How's it going? It's going well. And I'm trying to sort out. What is going on exactly in Indianapolis? And, and I know that this combine for so many years has gotten a ton of hype. It's been a long time since we've seen any of the top quarterbacks throwing. And I think really the biggest story out of Indy really seems like who's not there and Caleb Williams and what's going to happen with the Bears. Gut instinct, uh, Mike Gola Jr., what do you think ends up happening with that first pick? Uh, I think the simplest solution is usually the correct one. And I think the Chicago Bears are going to draft Caleb Williams and they're going to trade Justin Fields and they're going to reset the clock on their franchise with a guy that we've been talking about for the better part of really the last three years going back to his time at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley when they were both still there. And I think everything we hear between now and then is going to be a lot of smoke and mirrors designed to see if they can drum up interest and see if someone's going to throw a godfather offer after him or any of the other number of things that we've seen, but in my mind are pretty unlikely. So here's my stance on this, and I'm with you. I feel like at the end of the day, you just got to take the quarterback that you believe in the most. Like, forget the outside stuff. Whatever that offer might be, I don't know how great of a godfather offer you think you can get if you still have a quarterback you don't. Is, is that the same kind of thing that, that maybe you're seeing here? Yeah, I think so. The, the one thing you could sell me on if you were going to play devil's advocate and say, hey, you know, like Peter King did in his final, you know, uh, Football Morning in America column, where he said, what if they trade back with Washington to two and then they trade back from there with Atlanta at eight? Now all of a sudden you've recouped like three first round picks and three seconds going into next year. And it gives you the opportunity to, because remember, when they decided to bring back Matt Eberflus this season, there's a little bit of a risk there because now, hey, if you were to bring in a new quarterback and Matt Eberflus shows he's not the guy and you part ways, now your new rookie quarterback is already on his second regime. And that kind of foundation around young players, we've seen subvert even the best talents. And so 
if you wanted to say, hey, we're going to trade back, we're going to run it back one more time with Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus, and have both of them basically on a one-year prove-it deal and say, all right, if it works, great, and we've got a whole treasure trove of picks to work with next year, we're good, we can keep building up the rest of this roster, and if it doesn't, then we can get rid of both the quarterback and the head coach, and listen, at that point, potentially GM Ryan Poles' job all of a sudden probably comes into question as well, but you'd be starting with a clean slate, with a roster that's in a decent place, a ton of resources, and then the ability to probably choose whoever you want in the subsequent draft. The problem is you're risking lesser-known commodities at the most important position football, and that's really what it comes back to is your point is we feel we know a bit more about a guy like Caleb Williams, about a guy like Drake May, than we do some of the other prospects coming down the pipeline, and that's the ultimate decider. So well put right there. And, man, I, I think about that. I, I also think about how many GMs, like if it doesn't work, how many GMs get to have three straight number one picks? Like that just doesn't – that is is not going to fly uh, even in, in Chicago, which has been uh, really tough to find wins over the last several years. So we're talking with Mike Gold Jr. right now. So it's combine week. Okay, I am not the biggest combine guy. I never have been. I think that there is some value for it. Mike, take me back to your playing days. When you're getting ready for the combine from the player's perspective, what is the week like on that front when you're getting ready to try to impress all the scouts and all the GMs that are in attendance? So the whole lead-up to the combine process has sort of become a cottage industry in its own right. Like, I wasn't someone fortunate enough to be invited to the combine, but where I trained for my pro day, I was getting ready with guys that were all getting ready to go to Indianapolis and try and show out. And you train in all these different facilities that to the point that came up when someone like Marvin Harrison Jr. announced he's not going to go and do any of their games. He's staying back at Ohio State. He's going to train football. That's an outlier because for everyone else, you're training to ace this particular test. It's like studying for the SATs where none of this stuff is really going to help me in anything I want to do job-related down the line. It's teaching me how to be good at this particular test that the people that are deciding my future really seem to value. And so you're spending time going over the technique to do the short shuttle, going over techniques for the first 10 yards of your 40. You're sitting in mock interviews, going through the exercise of trying to figure out in game what do these teams want to hear from me when we're in these closed-door meetings, when we're getting on the board and breaking down plays, no matter what position I play in right now. And so you spend so much of your time and bandwidth trying to certainly get better physically. For some guys, it's a process of trying to add weight. That's what it's like for me. So you're working with a dietitian. You're working with the nutrition staff and the training staff there to make sure I'm ready. Hell, they had a plan for your hydration traveling from where I was in Scottsdale, Arizona, to Indianapolis, where this is what you're going to eat when you get to the airport. This is what you're going to drink when you get on the plane. This is what you're going to do as soon as you get to Indianapolis. This is what you're going to do the morning of to make sure that you're ready. Here's how we want you to do your warm-up for the 40 the week before so that you're in the right place physically and mentally. Like There is so much time and effort spent towards just being good enough to ace this test because it's really less about the physical results for the most part. They want you to hit a certain range of physical profile you need to be an NFL player, period, and that's important, but it's about how much are you going to show them the process matters to you? How important is the work to you? And how much are you going to put into that as a way of, in their mind, I think is kind of indicative of how you're going to do everything else. 
It's an interesting way to put it because I think about this for like the teams that are trying to sort out what this is going to look like. Okay, so if you have all these players that are doing everything they can for the combine, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're becoming better football players in the process. I get the logistics of it. Everybody's in one spot. You're able to get your, you know, your measurements done. You're able to have those in-person interviews. I understand that part. I would think it might even get to a point where it's got to be tough for teams to try to sort out what's real, what's not, and, and filter that. I, I would think that we probably, if it's if it's that much of a cottage industry as what you're describing right there, it might be tough for, for a lot of these teams to make you know heads and tails over who's legit and who's just legit at the combine, don't you think? Absolutely. That's why I think – uh, there are certain things I'll be curious about the overall process to see if they change in the coming years. I think the pandemic, we learned a lot when people had to scout remotely about how much more you can draw from tape. Obviously, you're going to see how a guy plays. The most important stuff is still what you've studied from their college career. But college football is a tough eval because so many of the offenses and schemes are different on both sides of the ball because there's such a talent disparity at every level of the sport, uneven scheduling. I can see why it's tough, but there are so many different things in the way that we track and evaluate talent now. If player tracking becomes more ubiquitous in college sports, you're going to see them be able to lean on the game speed metrics, the things that they can pull from that, maybe more so than a lot of this stuff. I think what they do to try and circumvent what you're talking about and really what the whole combine is is a psychological test. Because when you're out there, usually, while Indianapolis looks sunny and nice this week, it's usually cold and snowy in the middle of February when they do this event out in Indianapolis. You're being woken up at all hours of the day. You're being poked and prodded by medical staffs who, as another one of the most important parts of the combine, all get to look at you, all get to say, hey, here's the book we got on this guy's industry. How does this body part actually move? How does it hold up on this stretch? What have we not been told about this particular area of a player's injury history? They get to test all that, and then they get to send you out to these drills. And it's not like when you were training in an ideal circumstances and well-fed and have enough sleep. No, no, no. They're trying to make you do this in the worst position possible, not give you as much time to warm up, make sure you're operating off very little sleep, make sure you're feeling the pressure of the moment because they want to see if you're going to break. And so that's their goal once you get there. In my mind, the way it's been relayed to me by guys that have gone there, the way we see the process unfold every year is they want to see how you hold up in the crucible much, I think, more so than just how you perform in any individual drill that you've been very well coached to succeed in. I think that that's all of that is so fascinating to what you go into. This is why I, this is probably the only reason why I couldn't be an NFL player. I would go to the combine and get so invested in trying to say, set the St. Elmo shrimp cocktail record that I think that I would get really distracted and that would be a problem. Mike, last thing uh, before we let you go here, uh, I had a chance to catch a little bit of your show on, on DraftKings earlier today. Obviously, LeBron James, the big story. What'd you make of LeBron's night last night? Uh, it, it was it really. For the first time in a while, something I stopped and really took stock of. Because whenever LeBron or some of these all-time greats do something, the stock line that ends up going and getting circulated is, oh, we need to take time and appreciate greatness. And I usually kind of laugh it off because I think it's a bit reductive. But in this particular instance, evaluating this Lakers team who's sitting in the ninth seed right now, I still don't know if I think they can make a deep postseason run with the parts involved. We saw they were atrocious from three for the majority of that game until LeBron decided to hit five in the fourth quarter on his own. And so I think it made me realize, hey, in year 21, while he's chasing 40,000 points, while we're talking more about his son and how that overlaps with his future, then I think we're realistically talking about Lakers championships, at least till we get to this summer, because we know what they've got at their disposal to try and bring in another star. It was the first time in a while I really sort of felt the, oh, we don't 
probably have that many more of these moments where we're going to get to watch LeBron take over in a game and do all this spectacular stuff on both ends of the court because Father Time, while it's eroded him a lot less than most, has still come to collect payment a little bit. So it was one of the first times where I really stopped and was like, you know what? I'm not going to go to bed right now. I'm going to stay up and watch this because it's got the makings of something special. And he delivered. He delivered in all the ways that we're used to, both being a guy that can get hot on his own, but also I, I, the defining LeBron James trait for me showed up. And it's the thing I've seen in Patrick Mahomes that felt the most special is relentless belief in his teammates. That one possession where he goes down, they're starting to double-team him, and he kicks it out to Rui Hachimura. And Rui misses, and the whole team have been missing all night. And they get a rebound, and what does LeBron do? He throws it right back to Rui, who promptly knocks down the three. It's the same thing we saw from Mahomes this season when guys like Kadarius Toney or McCole Hardman or MBS were dropping passes or not where they were supposed to be. Pat stayed with him because he knew what they were capable of and what he would need them to be able to do later on if they were going to reach their goals. And I think that seeing that show up again in the midst of the LeBron-led flurry was a real cool reminder of what made him so great. He's Mike Gold Jr. Good stuff. As always, great talking to you, Mike. Thanks for uh, being with us here today. See you. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. All right, there he goes. Mike Golick Jr. here on the Jim Rome Show. Uh, really good insight, I thought, uh, from Mike Golick Jr. right there. Hey, get your phone out and search for the Prize Picks app. It's on my phone right now. It's on the phone of everybody that's working here on the Jim Rome Show. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Unlike other apps on Prize Picks, it's just you against the numbers. You have one job. Pick more or less on two to six players, and they're daily stat projections. You can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. Turn $10 into $1,000 quick withdrawals and an enormous selection of players, sports, and stats. That's Prize Picks. Download the Prize Picks app today and use the code Rome for a first deposit match of up to $100. $100! Who does that? That's code Rome on Prize Picks for a deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Must be present in certain states Visit pricepicks.com for restrictions and details. My name is Trent Rush in for Jim Rome. It is time now for the latest sports update with Andrew Bogish. Hey, this year, a little leap year action here on this February the 29th. My name is Trent Rush. Welcome back. Sitting in for Jim Rome today here. 1-800-636-8686 is the number. You can hit up the show on X at Jim Rome. You can find me at Trent Rush Sports. I've seen some tweets already. Maybe one of these days I'll be able to read one of these tweets, but good stuff from the clones. Uh, keep them coming, and we'll uh, get some fun stuff uh, later in the program. First, I am pumped up. I'm I'm. Uh, well, let me first say I'm a little disappointed. I got to wait an extra day to get to March. I am a March guy. I am a college basketball guy. And let me tell you, one of the teams to watch getting set for the NCAA tournament this year are the New Mexico Lobos. Their head coach, Richard Patino joins us here. Uh, back-to-back 21 seasons for Richard Patino, trying to take the Lobos to the big dance uh, for the first time in a decade. We're excited to have him on. Year three in that program has completely revitalized New Mexico basketball. Coach, how are you? Thanks for being with us. Doing good, Trent. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I look at what has just been an absolutely fun Mountain West season this year. I woke up and took a look at the net rankings, which I would imagine maybe you've done uh, today as well. I see there you are at at 25 in the net. It's kind of been life on the bubble for much of the season. Uh, I think you're on the right side of the bubble. I think you guys are in. But when you consider just the way that you know this conference trying to get six teams, the NCAA tournament last year started so well, it didn't 
didn't finish hot this year trying to keep it going what's life like on the bubble getting set for the ncaa tournament oh it's horrible it's hell <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's stressful um you know it's it's hard because you have to remind yourself and take a step back we, we obviously just had a really really tough loss at home to air force um but you know you gotta you gotta say okay after 28 games we're top 25 in the net we are you know, if the tournament were to end today, you'd be in the tournament. Uh, you know, so there's so many good things, but it's hard because we have so much information at our disposal and we're looking at it before the race is over. Um, and it creates a little stress. It creates a little anxiety. But it's, you know, as I told my team the other day, I said, guys, like 80% of college basketball is not in this position right now. Like people have to remember when you're in the NCAA tournament, it's, it's 68 teams, but only about 30 get at-large bids. Um, so to be considered in that position right now, it, it's a great thing. And um, a lot of pressure, obviously, but you know what? It's got to bring the most out of you because the more you play and the more you coach, so much pressure is put on you. But it's a good thing. It is, and the fact that your team has been playing well so much of the season, I'll, you know, maybe we'll take you know, the last game aside, but I mean, your backcourt has been outstanding this year. Jalen House, uh, Jamal Mashburn, who you brought with you uh, from your days in Minnesota. Donovan Dent has emerged. He's been so good this year. When you have a trio of outstanding guards, and many are talking about your guards being the best in the West, um, how do you handle when you have uh, a great guard play like that, and then three of them trying to you know, find who gets the ball when? That's got to be tough. Yeah, I mean, it is certainly a challenge. I think more the more challenge, honestly, you know, offensively, we've, we're number one in the Mountain West in points. Um, you know, we, we certainly can do that. But the challenge really is on the defensive side of it and the rebounding side of it. Um, we, we've had several times where if the game gets kind of bogged down and we can't turn you over and we can't create steals, where we've just – size has really hurt us. And that's kind of something that we've had to live with. Um, you know, when you have kind of those guards, I mean, you didn't know with Donovan Dent, like we really liked him, but he's made a big jump and it's forced us to have to play the three guards. And, um, you know, it's been more of a challenge for sure on the defensive side of it. Offensively, uh, they're going to play with great freedom and pace and go make great plays. And and when they're all clicking at the same time, uh, we're pretty hard to beat. Richard, you talk about you know, the fact that maybe there's 30 at-larges uh, for the NCAA tournament. There is some chatter this year. The Mountain West, your conference that you're in, might have five and, and maybe get six teams into the NCAA tournament. When you consider the eight years you spent in the Big Ten at Minnesota, coming up uh, with your dad, with Billy Donovan, getting set uh, now to, to you know help revitalize this New Mexico program. You've done a great job with that. How do you feel like this Mountain West stacks uh, among some of the other conferences across America? Because to get six teams in, I mean, that would be substantial for this league. Well, and I joked to my staff this morning. I said, "When did I get back in the Big Ten? I mean, like, I remember <laughs> playing in, the, you know, coaching in the Big Ten. You'd have like seventy percent of your league was in the NCAA tournament. They're all quad one games. We're going at Boise on Saturday. It's sold out. Um, you know, so it's it's what what's even more remarkable is." UNLV may be the most talented team in the league. They could win the league, and they may not make the NCAA tournament. That's how crazy it is. So you have seven teams, realistically, that could all justifiably go to the NCAA tournament, make noise, and then you've got Wyoming, who's been extremely close. Air Force Force plays. You know, Air Force obviously beat us. They blew out UNLV by 30. Um, You know, so it's just – 
it's obviously a very Fresno State had Utah State beat. You know, the other day was one of the more entertaining days uh, in the Mountain West. I know a lot of people probably asleep, but you just saw the venues. You saw how hard everybody's playing. Um, it was really made for TV. Uh, so it's it's um, it's hard, but it's a lot of fun, and it brings the most out of you. Yeah, Nevada winning on a half-court buzzer beater at the end at Colorado State, who's been ranked for much of this season. Uh, one of the games you're kind of alluding to right there. Talk with Richard Patino, the head coach at New Mexico. But I, I also think about, okay, so you've seen what great basketball looks like at a bunch of different levels. Uh, do you feel like, you know, that th- this Mountain West League, it, it's legitimate when you look at the net rankings? Because I know there's been a lot of talk nationally, the Big 12 doing some things in scheduling to, to try to inflate some of their numbers. That's been a big topic of discussion in college basketball. Do you feel like what you're seeing in the Mountain West looks the part as legitimate compared to, you know, what you've seen just throughout your whole life and what great basketball looks like absolutely i mean i I think um you know it's you've got older guys and a lot of them maybe they're transfers and now that's that's college basketball everywhere you've got legit venues now whether it's boise utah state the pit uh viejas colorado state nevada i would say all of those are terrific environments that you could put up against anywhere in the country you've got continuity um, you know, from the coaching staffs where Coach Dutcher's been there obviously a very long time. Nico's getting there for a long time now. Um, Leon's been there for a long time. Coach Alford's been there for a while. Um, and then you've got programs like New Mexico and UNLV that were down a little bit. They're coming back. Um, they're establishing themselves. Utah State's maybe been the most consistent one of any of them. So, you know, I think the, the thing that this league continues to need to do is improve the resources as much as you possibly can. Uh, really, the only difference I believe in a lot of these conferences is in TV contracts. You know, and if, if we have an opportunity right now with obviously the Pac-12 falling apart to really, really pour a lot of resources into basketball, and, and we can get consistency like this uh, for a long time because they're all great venues, they're great schools, great environments, and people love college basketball in this league. Richard, I don't know if you heard, but your dad had some uh, NIL comments uh, last week. I'm, I'm guessing maybe that made it around on a family text message. Uh, and, and talking a little bit about, you know, just the, the resources it takes to have sustainability. I understand that, you know, St. John's is different from New Mexico. But when you, you look at just the way college basketball is set up right now, to, to find sustained success just seems like it's getting harder and harder to do every year. How do you find that, especially at a program like New Mexico in the Mountain? West that is rising, but but maybe doesn't have the same resources as a lot of the bigger programs. Super challenging. I, I said to my staff this morning in a meeting, you know, because we're all fighting for the NCAA tournament like anything else, and I said, hey, man, I'm proud of the fact we've got back-to-back 20-win seasons. Let's see if we can finish this thing strong, because you just don't know anymore who's going to walk into your office and, and want to transfer. They all could do it. And, um, you know, it, it's a certainly I like the freedom for them. I really do. Um, I like the fact that they can make money off of their name, image, and likeness, to say that that's not going to uh, impact recruiting and impact transfers, that's just so silly. Um, it, it just is what it is, the real world. Um, but I think what what I don't like about it is I, I hope, because it's turned into pro sports, and you're not hearing as much about kids wanting to get degrees anymore. Um, you're maybe not hearing as much about winning. And, you know, it, it's you hope it doesn't kind of rob the youthfulness of being in college um, because you're certainly feeling more and more like a pro coach every single day. So 
if you want consistency, you need resources because other people are growing. It's just the reality of it. I mean, and it's, it's whether it's your collectives, whether it's, um, you know, opportunities in the community, name, image, and likeness, as well as all the other stuff. It's just, uh, you better compete. And if you don't compete, I don't care. And I think that's why coaches are so frustrated and maybe they're sounding off so much is our backs are against the wall right now. And uh, we've got great support in New Mexico and we got to continue to have great support because we're being judged by what has been the standard over the last 30 something years in sports where we all feel like it's a brand new job. Doesn't mean it's bad, but we certainly have got to compete uh, for every little resource we can get. Richard, I don't have a ton of time here, but I, I couldn't let you go without asking you this. I mean, you've won over 200 games in your career, um, you know, absolutely building your own name here, but you come up with your dad, you leave being on a Rick Pitino staff to join Billy Donovan and his staff. How important was it for you to kind of break away and be with Billy Donovan to set up your coaching success? Yeah, it was transformative in my life. Um, you know, it was uncomfortable. I was very, very content at Louisville. I wanted to pull myself out of my comfort zone, and I saw a different way of doing things. Both great, both amazing, and what I think Coach Donovan just taught me is be yourself. You know, there's a million different ways to skin a cat. Pour your heart and soul into it. Uh, be a great husband. Be a great father. Be a great role model. Uh, but just do it your way. So uh, very, very lucky to have worked for my dad as well as worked for Coach Donovan some other really good coaches. Richard, appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and uh, good luck to the Lobos the rest of the way. Hope we uh, see you talking on Selection Sunday. Thanks. All right, Trent. Thank you. All right, there he goes. That's Richard Patino, the head coach of the Lobos. I'm telling you what, there is not a more fun team to watch in college basketball. I'm not going to sit here and say that I think that New Mexico is the best team in college basketball. Sometimes they look it. Sometimes they look far from it. But my goodness, that team is really fun. And uh, when you're trying to figure out a bracket for the NCAA tournament, you're looking for some sleepers in there. I'm telling you what, right now, Richard Patino's group at New Mexico absolutely is a team to keep an eye on speaking of brackets you know the calendar does turn to march tomorrow so i got a little bit of bracket advice for you we're going to get into that and a whole lot more coming up later in the show plus spring training going on down in arizona and florida and we're going to hear some news regarding the dodgers hey shohei otani got another big deal done we'll explain all that with fabian ardaya later in the program i'm trent rush in for jim rome this is the jim rome show on cbs sports radio